Good evening. Morning. <laughs> we are in the middle of a series, Jesus at the Center. We're glad that you're here this evening. If this is your first time with us, welcome. Uh, I believe that we are, um, are we closing tonight? It's the last night in this. And the next Wednesday, we are off. There will be no service next Wednesday. Uh, it's family time. Take some time. If you, if you block this in your calendar for next week to be here and you're planning, don't fill that with something like work or some fill it with family time. Spend some time with your family and, and build uh, on that and hang out with some folks. All right. We are in our last week of uh, Jesus at the Center, and I'm excited about our speaker. Uh, he just took a group of over 50, I think, to camp, and they've returned, and the youth group is here. So would you welcome with me Pastor Adam Thomas. Stretch your hands out. We're going to pray for this guy. Actually, um, come up, come up here, uh, Jasper. I'll let you pray for him. Okay. I did say, I did say come up here, yes. and he is an obedient guy. And literal. Literally. Pray for, pray for him. Oh, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for Adam, God. Thank you for everything that he's done in our lives, God, that he has... Uh, he has been like you, that he has tried to follow your son, God, and that we see that through him. And dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for the seeds that he's planted in our lives and that he has influenced our lives more than he could ever have wanted, God. I thank you for this man, God, and I pray for his, for whatever he's going to preach, because he's going to preach your word, God. And I pray that you speak to him, and I pray that you can speak to us through him. In dear Lord Jesus, I name in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right. I'm going to tag on to a few of uh, Kevin's announcements real quick. Uh, these are for the youth. Refuge and Radix. The awards ceremony is coming up August 15th. The last day to sign up for that is August 5th, and you have to have paid by then. So if you have money for that tonight, see Bridget. Bridget's wondering why I'm pointing at her. Yes, you're handling the money. Uh, also, for Radix, uh, Jill Etheridge has planned a Radix Fun Day, August 1st. It's $8. It involves foot golf, swimming, food, and more. So if you're interested in going to that, uh, see Jill. And since she's not here tonight, see Elizabeth, and she'll give you details. So, all right. I know we just prayed, but I'm going to pray again because you can't talk to God enough. Amen. Dear Lord, as I speak tonight, Lord, I pray that your words will come through my mouth. Uh, I pray that, uh, that I speak uh, in a manner well-pleasing to you, Lord, that everything that comes from me is uh, of your word. Through your Son, Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. The series has been Jesus at the Center. And I'm going to focus on a specific topic of that, uh, of being Jesus at the center of your work. So let me go ahead and preface this. So a few of you who don't know me, I work for the Metro Police Department. So some of these stories, they'll make a little more sense now that you know that. Uh, wanted to go ahead and kill a few stereotypes of police officers right now. I get asked a few questions occasionally. One of them is, do you have quotas? No, we do not have quotas. Let me give you an example. Last year, I made about a 1,000 traffic stops. 
I only wrote 10 tickets. I don't know what the percentage of that is, but it's less than 1%. So there are no quotas. The second is donuts. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to do a survey right now. Raise your hand if you like donuts. Then you must all be police officers. This is an unfair stereotype. Everyone likes donuts. That's like saying, you like chocolate cake? Oh, you must be an engineer. No no other occupation has a food stereotype like that. I cannot go and buy a donut in uniform for fear of getting Snapchatted. I work next to some great donut places and cannot go in there for fear of ending up on the internet. So together we can stop this stereotype. All right? That's lesson number one for tonight. Stop the stereotype. I have an interesting job. At times I think I have the best job in the world, and sometimes I think I have the worst job in the world. And I think we can all identify with that. I come in contact with a lot of interesting people. (laughs) I'm going to tell you a couple of the stories uh, to start off. Uh, One time, we got a call. I was working with a rookie at the time. And we came in contact uh, with an individual who had been assaulted. And you could tell he was been assaulted. He had some blood coming down from the side of his head. And I asked him what happened. Because obviously he had been hit with something. And he says... My roommate hit me in the head with a smoothie. I was kind of confused. It's like, you were hitting the head with a smoothie. He goes, yes, I was hitting the head with a smoothie. I go, you were hitting the head with a frozen treat. And he looks at me like I'm crazy. And I was like, you were hitting the head with a smoothie. He goes, yeah, I've already said this. I go, you were hitting the head with a drink. He goes, no, a smoothie. And I kind of put two and two together. I go, an iron? And he goes, yes, an iron. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> so interesting person number one. <laughs> and second time, and this was when I had just started, I came in contact. There, there, we get dispatched on calls. And there was reports. And it's one of those, you ever hear those things where you sit there and go, can you say that again? Like, I, I, I clearly did not hear you right on this. And it comes out as intoxicated male throwing rocks at a squirrel on a power line. <laughs> and I'm like, you have got to be kidding. And I was like, can you repeat that? And they repeated it. And I'm like, okay, I'm going out there. Now I'm not far away. I'm a block away. And I drive around the block. And sure enough, there's a gentleman who was throwing rocks. A squirrel on a power line. And in the squirrel's hand, he has a Snickers bar. This is one of those things you just can't make up. And I walk up to the man, and he he as well is intoxicated. So let it be known to y'all, intoxicated people do not make the best decisions. Uh, I go, why are you throwing rocks at the squirrel? And he's yelling. He goes, it stole my Snickers bar. I could not get this man to calm down until I promised to go buy him another Snickers bar. (laughs) But this is the stuff I come in contact with uh, occasionally. Uh, I've got plenty of other stories. I could go on for the full 40 minutes telling stories (laughs) about the interesting things I've seen. 
And I've seen there, I've seen some of the funniest things in the world, the most ridiculous things that just make you shake your head and go, what was somebody thinking? But at the same time, I've seen some of the worst things in the world. I've been there when a man shot during a home invasion. I've been there and had a man die right in front of me after being hit by a drunk driver. I've been, I've seen some of the most horrific things in the world, but we live in a broken world. And I don't say these things for you to feel pity for me or feel sorry for me. This is a job I feel I've been called to do by God. To be light and salt to the people I come in contact with. What I'm going to do, like I said earlier, is focus on Jesus at the center, but specifically Jesus at the center of your work. And I know some of the teens are thinking, I don't have a job. You do have a job. It's to listen to your parents. It's to, you know, go cut the grass, go clean your room, those type things. So you do have a job. And tonight I'm going to use myself as an example. I'm going to tell you about the times in my life where I've put Jesus at the center of my work life and how it's blessed me. And I'm going to tell you about the times that I've failed. The times that I've failed to put Jesus at the center of my life and how that's affected me. Most of the times in our lives, we tend to categorize our lives. We say, this is work Adam. This is home Adam. This is church Adam. We put everything into categories. When in truth, everything's connected because God connects all of our lives. God should be present in every aspect of our life. So we can't ignore the work life and say God doesn't belong there because he does. Because if you're like me, in everyone here, raise your hand if you've ever gotten frustrated at your job. We get frustrated at our jobs no matter what we're doing. And we can't have separate things. We can't have work, Adam home Adam, church Adam, because James 1 reminds us that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Who we are here in this room right now should reflect who we are at work. And if it doesn't, there's a problem somewhere. I am a Christian everywhere I go. I am salt and light everywhere I go. Like I said earlier, I don't care what job you have. It can be frustrating. Whether you're a teacher dealing with unruly students, whether you're a repairman dealing with a client who won't pay, there are moments we need to remember, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Can you go to the next slide, please? Well, apparently it disappeared. Never mind. Uh, we'll get to that point later. Uh, when I forget to add... I'm sorry, I lost my spot. <laughs> this can be difficult because some of the times the people we work with are hardly close to the Lord. Now, the times that I haven't had God in my life, especially in at work, I get frustrated. I get angry. Anger can build up and it lays on my heart and it lays on my spirit. And I don't, I don't focus it the way I should. And unfortunately, sometimes I take it home with me and I'll come home and I'll just sit there and I'll be quiet and I won't talk, which is frustrating to Bridget. And then I get, you know, I, I, I'll, you know, I, I'll be short tempered with her, but all because 
I haven't done the way God wanted me to, and I haven't turned it over to him. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares. Psalms 5.22 says, cast all your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. When you turn it over to him, when I do involve him, even though negative things may pop up, I have a peace about me. When I'm dealing with these things, I know I can keep going because I've laid it on God. How many of you, when you carry these things around, things, simple things get harder, don't they? Simple things get harder and harder and harder because we're carrying around more weight than we should be carrying around. We've got a God who says, cast all these cares, cast all these worries on me because I can deal with it. Rely on me. Now, I'll say these next things not to brag or anything. I'm just telling you a few of the ways God has called me to work. I deal with a lot of homeless individuals. God has said, help feed them. So I carry around food in my car. God says you come in contact with a lot of unchurched people. I literally have a captive audience sometimes. And someone got it. (laughs) I carry around a box of Bibles in the back of my car because I never know. And like I said, I don't say these things to brag, but these are the way God has called me. And in order to keep God involved in my work life, my personal life has to be involved with God too. More than just on the surface. And I've come up with a few ways, things that I have to do. And the first slide there is be in the Word daily. Let's go to the next slide, please. Second Timothy three sixteen and 17 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Have you ever tried to put together something without using the instructions? I I have. And it doesn't work out well. And I need Jesus all in a whole different circumstance there because I start getting frustrated and, and yelling at inanimate objects and it doesn't work out well. The the shelf is leaning to the side. I have four extra screws, three extra nails, and an extra plank. And I'm trying to figure out why they gave me all these extra pieces that I don't need. And then I realized that I did need them because the moment I put something on the shelf, it doesn't hold up. Or Bridget comes home and goes, what did you do? (laughs) This does not look like the picture. And I get mad and frustrated when all I had to do was read the instructions and apply them and everything would have turned out the way it was supposed to. To apply Christ to my daily life, I need to know about His Word. God's Word is the instruction manual for life. Life will be difficult, always, but with the instructions, everything will turn out the way it was supposed to. We can go to the next slide. Be in a discipleship with someone. I am blessed to be in a discipleship with someone who holds me accountable, who checks in on me. Let's go to the next slide. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others. 
I'm blessed to have someone in my life who teaches me, who holds me accountable. He'll come up to me and say, how are your studies doing? How's your prayer life? How's your spiritual life? How are you interacting with God? What are you doing to stay strong? What are you doing to stay faithful? Now, he's not working as a, a, a spiritual patrol, uh, parole officer, making sure that I'm doing this and, you know, he's going to scold me if I don't and all that. It's because he cares about me. It's he wants to hold me accountable. He knows, he, he, he holds me accountable for the things that I do. And each of you need to be in a discipleship with someone. And each of you need to be a disciple to someone else. If you're not doing that, you should be. You can be that influence on someone's life and hold them accountable. And you need to be held accountable. Because there are times where I've sat there and gone, I haven't been in my word. When he comes up to me and goes, have you been reading? And you're like, no. Because you know you're supposed to. You know you're supposed to be in the word. You know you're supposed to be praying. Which brings me to my next one. Prayer. I don't know if y'all knew this, but I'm good friends with Hulk Hogan. I mean, granted, we've never talked. I've never really seen him in person. You know, I saw I was I went to a, a wrestling event and saw him in the ring one day. But he and I are great friends. You know, I could just call him up when no, I couldn't do that. So okay, I'm not good friends with Hulk Hogan. My point is, how can you be friends with someone you don't talk to? How can you have a relationship with someone you don't talk to? The same goes with God. If you don't talk to God, you can't say you have a relationship with Him. And on the other hand, how many of you at work or school have that one person that you see, you know, every time you're there and you walk by them and you go, how you doing? And they respond, good. How are you? And you say, good. And you keep walking. We all have that person. You don't know their name. You don't really know anything about them. But you say hi occasionally. Some of us look at our prayer lives like that. Because we've got the same prayers every time. We're not really talking to God. We're talking at God. We just sit there and go, dear Lord, thank you for this. Thank you for that. Please bless me here. And goodbye. The best friendships I have are with people that I sit and talk to, that I open up to. We don't have a scripted dialogue every time I come and, and hang out with them. God's the same way. You can't have a scripted dialogue with God that's the same every time. That's not a relationship. That's a script. Let's go to the next one. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. Always, always be talking to God. You can always get closer to Him. I know whenever I am carrying around those frustrations, when I'm carrying around the weight of the world, if I open up to God, if I just release everything to Him, I feel so much better. There's a peace about you when you do that. Let's go to the next verse. The body. The body helps me 
put Jesus at the center of my work. Let's go to the verse, please. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more you see the day drawing near. I, love, I look forward to Sundays and Wednesdays for every reason to worship, to sing, and to fellowship with everyone here. There are people here that I know that I would never have been friends with if we didn't have Christ Jesus in common. Justin's raising his hand. <laughs> and it's true. And it's true. Despite all the differences we all have in this room, Christ Jesus brings us together. Even during football season. Christ brings us together. Saturday, Justin and I can be yelling at each other about football. And then Sunday, I love you, man. I love you. I forgive you. I forgive you. You know, you got to pray for those Tennessee Vol fans. They need it. Uh, <laughs> we'll pray for you, brother. But the body allows you to make relationships. It allows you to have people to lean on. People to go to, to talk to, to say, I'm struggling in this area in my life. I'm having problems in this area in my life. What should I do? Can you pray for me? Y'all, the body has helped me through a lot of difficult times. Anytime that I'm down... That I'm out there. I cannot figure out what direction I need to go. I know I have people here that I can go to and say, please help me. And they will drop everything and come and help me. They will drop everything and come and pray for me. And that is the amazing thing about the body of Christ. Because it all works together for one good. No matter what's going on, no matter what the difference is, the body of Christ works together and allows you people to lean on. We can go to the next one, please. The youth. They're an interesting bunch of people. <laughs> A very interesting group of people. But the youth help me at work. They're not out there working as sidekicks or anything like that. But... I know I'm held accountable to them. I'm set to lead over them, and I need to set a good example. And how can I set a good example if I'm not following these other four things? If I'm not in the Word daily, if I'm not in a discipleship, a prayer life, or if I'm not interacting with the body? I'm held accountable to every one of these teens. God has called me to lead them. And I take that to heart. And I want to make them proud. I want them to say, that's my youth minister. If we can go to the next slide. That it? That's it. They're all gone. Uh, <laughs> I hate technology. I can put something in there and it just disappears. But they keep me on top of my game. 
They can come to me with a question and I have no idea what the answer is. Why did Jesus say this? Uh, I don't know. Let's go look it up. And they help me. They keep me on the top of my game. They help me stay interacted in the word. They help me in my prayer life. They help me in all these things. So they're a great group. All of these things put my work into perspective. I'm not working for me. I'm not working for a paycheck. I'm working for God. I'm set to be salt and light to everyone I come in contact with. I'm set to be an example. And I don't know, you know, I don't have any great stories of how me handing a Bible to someone has affected them. I don't have any great stories right now of how me giving someone a meal has affected them. But I hope one day, one day at judgment, I can have God or someone else come up to me and go, when you gave me that Bible or when you gave me that meal, and I hope that I can have Jesus have worked through me in some way like that. When I'm focused on God, everything works out smoother. And God's going to be involved in your work life if you allow Him to be involved in your work life. This next story that I'm going to tell you, I'm going to close with this story, but it shows a story on how active God can be in your workplace. And I don't like telling this story a lot, but it's it's a true testimony on how God's worked through my life. And this happened, I guess, about a year and a half, two years ago. And we'd just gotten a call about a domestic dispute. And that this one individual had, you know, torn up the house and fought his family and took off. And driving there, I saw someone who matched the description of the suspect. And he was at a gas station. And I stopped and I started talking to him. And I figured out this was the individual I was looking for. So I was going to detain him until we could figure out what was going on. And I asked him if I could pat him down. And he said yes. And as I started to pat him down, he reached for his waist and pulled out a butcher knife. And he and I started fighting right there in the middle of the parking lot. And I could tell from the moment I first came in contact with him, he was on some sort of narcotic. Now, if you know, if you know anything about narcotics, people who are on them and in the midst of their high, they're stronger than normal. They don't get tired like normal people do. And so he and I were fighting. And the whole time he's got one knife in his hand. And I'm able to control that, but the fight goes to the ground. And he starts going for my gun. And we're fighting, and we're fighting, and we're fighting. and I'm getting tired, and he keeps going for my gun, or he keeps going for that knife. And I'm sitting there, and I start to get a little scared. You know, I'm sitting there going, I'm getting tired, and he's keep he keeps going. And I'm scared because... In my head, I'm praying the whole time, God, please, please don't let me have to, to seriously hurt this person. Please don't let me have to use my weapon. And I'm scared to death. And I'm scared to death. And I'm praying this in my mind the whole time we're fighting on the ground. And all of a sudden, he stops. He just stops. He just stops and lays there. And about 30 seconds later, backup gets there and we take him into custody and put him in the back of the car and 
my sergeant arrives on the scene and he comes up to the back of the car and the guy's calm now and I'd already told my sergeant what happened and he's asking the guy what happened and he says, yeah, I tried to stab him, I tried to get his gun, I tried to do all these things. And he goes, well, why'd you stop? And he goes, God told me to. And everyone else, there was about 10 officers there and everyone starts laughing and I don't. I'm sitting there go, y'all, I think God honestly told him to. You know, God is active in your work lives. God is around you. You have to allow him to be active. You have to say, God, come to my workplace. Be a part of my life. Be a part of every part of my life. Not just here at church. Not just at home. But everywhere. Because you are the salt and light. You don't know how you're going to affect somebody's life. You don't know. I came in contact with that man about a year later. And he didn't remember me. But the thing is, he sat there and we were talking. And I never let him know I knew him. Because he, you know, we were just talking and he goes, oh, I love the police. You know, I was like, well, you didn't show it that much, but all right. <laughs> he goes, they've really helped me out in a lot of situations when they could have done worse. And, you know, I'm sitting there going, you know, that's, that's God allowing me to work. That's me focusing God in my lives, letting him take control of what I do. Now, when y'all go to work tomorrow, God's going to give you a way to share Him with other people. You just have to take advantage of it. You can't be scared. You can't worry about, well, what about rules? Or what about etiquette? Or what about anything? God, God's rules trump any of those. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day, the blessings you have given us, Lord. I pray that you will be the center of our lives, that you will be the center of our work lives, Lord, that you will be with us, that you will bless us, that you will give us courage and strength, Lord, that you will give us wisdom to recognize the path that we should take, courage to follow it, Lord, and determination to keep going whenever we get discouraged. We bless your name in every aspect of our lives. Through your Son, Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you.